1: Listen to the radio. It's
2: different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler.
3: The tape will self-destruct in five seconds.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Dick Powell stars as private investigator Richard Rogue on Rogue's Gallery from 1945. Then Merle Oberon guest stars on The Abbott and Costello Show from 1942. But first... Let me say hello to my co host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl, how are you? I'm good. This is a tight hour, as they say in the business. Yes. We can't do any stargazing in this well, hour. My fans will miss me, but I'll be back for the second hour. All right, but we're going to listen to Rogue's Gallery now. Good broadcast, uh, detective uh, episode from October 25th, 1945. This is called Murder with Muriel. It stars Dick Powell as uh, Richard Rogue on Rogue's Gallery.
3: W. Fitch Company presents Dick Powell as Private Detective Richard Rogue. In Rogue's Gallery. Rogue speaking. Well, tonight we meet a sort of an unusual girl. Her name is Muriel, and she's quite a personality. The name of the story is Murder with Muriel. Now I'd like to tell my story. Okay, here's Dick Powell as Private Detective Richard Rogue in another personally conducted tour through... I was sitting at my junior executive type desk one day a few months ago, trying to get a studious gander at the racing form for the next day. I had planned to attend and contribute a quick 48 bucks outside to the improvement of the breed of thoroughbreds racing at the track. 48 bucks, that's uh, six across the board, eight races, six eights. That's right, uh, 48. Well, anyway, I was working on a case for an insurance company, and they'd assigned a big company detective with his brains and his feet to help me. His real job was to watch me. And he did. His girl was mad at him, and he spent all his time writing torchy poetry to her. I didn't mind that. But the big goon read it to me. That made it personal. Hey, listen to this one, will you, Rogie? Oh, no, I'm busy. Can't you see, Joe? <laughs> This'll put her in her place. Listen. Gee, Cupid, stupid.
5: His daughter in my heart, I trusted. Now, my heart's busted. He sent me an Aphrodite, who's awful flighty. Don't trust Cupid. He's stupid. Ha, <laughs> that's a deli, ain't it? I- I'm
3: gonna send it to Rose special delivery. Hmm, that ought to bring her right back to you, with a club in her hand. Why don't you give the dame up, Joe? Oh,
5: you don't understand, Rogie. I love her.
0: Oh. I'm looking for Richard Rogue. Yeah? What do you want? I've got a message for you. I want to talk to you uh,
3: privately. Okay, okay. Come on in here. Look, I'm a busy guy today. What do you want? What's your name? I'm Joe Layton. Have you had a letter from Duke Dickerson? Nope. You know him, don't you? Well enough to lend him money. Does that answer your question?
0: Well, he needs some dough. Tough. He still owes me. He's got some stashed in a tin box out in the valley. He wants it. He wants us to get it for him. Go on. He's planted the dough out in the valley. Yeah. Get to the point. Well, uh, he's mailed half of a map to me and the other half to you. A map showing just where the dough is buried. We're to go get it together. I get the twenty-five hundred he owes me, and you get the hundred he owes you plus a thousand for the job. And Duke gets the rest.
3: Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. I'll take a drive out into the valley for 1,100 skins any time. But I haven't got the map yet. Well, he mailed it day before yesterday. It should be here. Well, it isn't. Drop around about noon tomorrow. Maybe it'll come in the morning mail.
0: The Duke needs the dough pretty bad. He's got himself in a bit of a jam in Kansas City. We'll get that dough tomorrow, huh?
3: There's something about money I like. I think maybe it's the feeling of power it gives me when the rent is paid. Anyway, this uh, this spook shoved off, and I went back into the outer office where Joe Black was poisoned penning some more poetry. The phone rang, and I thought twice before I answered it. It was almost six o'clock, and I had plans for that evening. But I finally gave in to its yammering. Rogue Detective, Richard Rogue speaking.
6: Hello, Mr. Rogue. I must see you right away.
3: Hmm, sorry.
6: It's a matter of life and death, Mr. Rogue. I'm afraid.
3: What's the matter? What's your name?
6: Muriel Scott. Please, come to the Rialto Theater. I can't be seen talking to you. I'm in the aisle seat, center aisle, three rows down from the rear of the theater. On the right-hand side, out of the center aisle. The seat next to mine is vacant. Please meet me there as soon as possible. Please, hurry.
7: Okay, wait there. <coughs> Who was that, Rogie? Oh, now, look, Blackie. It
3: was private business. Why don't you run along home now and get some rest? Oh no, the boss
5: told me to stick with you, and that's what I'm going to do. You're tricky, you know.
7: We don't trust you. Oh, look, I. Oh, hello. What are you doing here, Urban? Just dropped in to ask you a few questions, Rogue. Good evening, Lieutenant Urban. Hello, Blackie. Go wait in the hall. I want to talk with the Rogue. Yes, sir. Huh oh, now, what's on your mind? You know a guy by the name of Leighton, Joe Leighton. Hmm, Name yeah. Name sounds familiar, why? He just left here, didn't he?
3: Well, he's been here, what's that to you? What did he want to see you about? Well, I don't see how that could possibly affect you all, man He came to see me on private business That's all the talking I'm going to do
7: How'd you know he was here, anyway? I just took a card off him He had your name and address on it What did he want to see you about, Rogue? Well, he didn't mention your name How come you'd be shaking Joe Layton down? Is he pinched? No, no, he isn't in any trouble with the police, Rogie. I picked him up about a block from here a while ago. He'd been robbed and murdered.
3: Well, this was a fine time for Joe Layton to get dead. Just when he meant 1,100 bucks to me. I went down to the morgue with Urban to look at the body. What I really went for was a quick look through his personal effects. There was no sign of half a map. That's all I wanted to know. Urban put me on the fire for a while, trying to get me to tell him all I knew about Layton, but I didn't crack, and I left about 10.30 to drive back to my office. My shadow blackie was right behind me. When I walked into the office, the phone was ringing. <laughs> Rogue Detectives, Richard Rogue speaking.
6: Mr. Rogue, you didn't come to the theater.
3: Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Muriel. Something else came up that demanded my immediate attention. But I Uh, must
6: see you right away. It's a matter of life or death.
3: Oh, but I can't.
6: There's, there's a $500 fee waiting here for you for just a few minutes' work. Please, Mr. Rogue.
3: Huh? Oh, where are you?
6: I'm at the Shady Glade Motel out in the valley. You know where it is?
3: Oh, sure, sure. I've passed it a thousand times.
6: Will you come right out? Please. Cabin number four. Uh,
3: You say there's $500 waiting there for me? You got it there?
6: Yes. Please hurry.
1: I'm frightened to death.
3: Well, I just had 1,100 skin shot out from under me. And I decided I couldn't afford to be too temperamental about a sure 500. So I ran down the stairs to my car and took off for the Shady Glade Motel and the lady with the seductive voice. It was a long drive from my office, and I spent my time trying to figure out how I was going to get in touch with Duke Dickinson and deal myself back in on that buried treasure deal. I couldn't tell whether Blackie had managed to tail me on this trip or not. There was so much traffic on the pass. Well, uh, anyway, I pulled up at the shady glade and knocked at the door of cabin number four.
6: You're Mr. Rogue? Yeah? Come in.
3: Well, uh, get it off your chest, lady.
6: Please, sit down.
3: Okay, but uh, I'm in a kind of a hurry. Let's make this as brief as possible.
6: All right. Would you care for a drink?
3: I'd love one. But look, you were tearing your hair out a half hour ago. I got here as soon as I could by breaking a few speed laws. Now, before we get social, what's the deal?
6: I'm in trouble, Mr. Rogue. I'll
7: take it
3: from here, Muriel. Huh? Oh, oh a reception committee with artillery, Huh? Well, how about giving me a quick rundown on what's the deal? What do you want from me?
2: You know a man by the name of
3: Joe Layton? Yeah, I knew him. And I know what happened to him. You wouldn't want it to happen to you, would you? I don't insist on it. Get out of here, Muriel. I'll stay.
2: Get into the other room. Go on. All right, chap. All right now, Rogue. Let's get down to business. You had company today, didn't you?
3: Layton was up to see you. That's right. Everybody seems to know that. What do you mean? The cops came to see me later. Took me down for a little questioning. You see, they knew Leighton called on me, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you shook him down for that map, you should have taken that card with my name and address off of him. And he can't think of everything. I want your half of that map, Rogue. I don't have it.
2: Don't lie to me, Rogue. Just give me your half of the map. I don't have it. But even
3: if I did, name me a reason why I should give it to you. Where is it? I don't have it. That's all I know. I'll give you $5,000 for it, Rogue. Huh? <laughs> Why should I sell it to you? I had to kill a man for half that map. I don't want to have to kill you unless it's absolutely necessary, Rogue. Believe me, I hope it won't come to that. Now, look, pretty boy. I don't have the letter, and killing me here, keeping me here, won't make you much of a score. Where is the letter? Why should I tell you? Ah, let's face it, chum, there's is, is it no- in your office? I haven't received it yet. It'll probably be in the morning's mail tomorrow. This is not getting anybody someplace. I'll do the worrying about that. Yeah? Well, while you're worrying, take a look behind you. You got company. Oh, no, no.
0: I'm surprised that you try to run that old bluff like that on me.
3: (laughs) You think it's a bluff? Hey, Blackie.
5: Drop that gun, mister. I couldn't miss you from here.
3: You better drop it, pretty boy. My friend Joe Black is a very nervous type. Yeah. Drop it. Okay. Now, oh, that's a nice guy. Look, Blackie, I'll hold a gun on this citizen. There's a girl in the bedroom. Go get her. All right, Rogie. What are you going to do with me, Rogue? I haven't made any plans yet. You'll be taken care of. Don't worry.
7: Why don't we keep this to ourselves, Rogue? There's plenty... Hey, Rogue,
5: there's no demon here. What? The window's open and she's gone. I I heard a car pull away just as I came in here. Oh, that's fine. That's great. Well, well, it isn't my fault, Rogie. I I did what you told me to
7: and... Muriel got away, huh? That's right. She got
3: away. But we've still got the main attraction. That's you. Look, Rog, there's no reason why we can't make a deal.
2: I'm perfectly willing to cut you in for half the money.
3: (laughs) How big of you. You have to watch those generous impulses, Shep. Next thing you know, you'll be giving away the sleeves out of your vest. Hey, Blackie. Uh, yeah? You just declared yourself in on five bills, okay? Sure. What do I do? Shake him down. I want half of a hand-drawn map. There's no point in us working
2: against each other, Shut Rogue. Shut up. Here. Yeah. I'll get it for you.
5: Keep your hands away from your pockets. Yeah, just keep them up in the air, and I won't have to break your thick skull. Uh, toss me his wallet, Blackie. Uh, quit squirming, uh, you. Uh, yeah. There. There you are, Rogie. And a nice wallet, it is, too. Uh, uh, maybe you'll let me have it, huh, Rogie? Uh, after you've taken a map out,
3: of course. <laughs> That's what I love about you, Blackie. You have such big ideas. Ah, well, quite a bit of dough here. And a driver's license. Glad to see that you're a law-abiding citizen, Chip. Oh, now, here it is. A little piece of paper worth 25 grand. Now, look, Rogue. suppose I work with you. Just cut me in for five grand. A little late for that, chap. Blackie, yeah. I'm afraid our friend Shep might be a burden. Uh You better put him to sleep for a while.
5: Uh, you mean like this? Oh,
3: you're so enthusiastic, Blackie. Now let's get him tied up and slip him under a bed until we need him again, shall we? Of course.
5: Uh, hey, uh, hadn't we better call in the cops, Rogie?
3: Well, I didn't want the cops in on this deal yet. They get so inquisitive about murderers. I knew that Chep was as safe as a royal flush against three deuces, so I left him there all tied up like a bow tie. I gave Blackie the slip and went to my apartment to get a little sleep. I opened the door and walked in... into a surprise party.
7: Hello, Rogie. Where you been? What are you doing in my apartment, Urban? Waiting for you to get home? You got a warrant? Oh, now, Rogie, are we going to get technical? What do you want? You decided to tell me what you know about the killing of uh, Joe Layton? No. You might be making a mistake, Rogue. You know, sometimes you need a guy like me. What are you working on? I don't report to you, Urban. Go away. I've known you for a long time, Rogie. You're declaring yourself in on Layton's murder. I don't think you did it, but uh, I think you know more than you're talking.
3: Now, look, I've got a stake in this case. If I crack it, I'll let you know in time to get your picture in the papers. Will you settle for that? You're on the level, aren't you, Rogie? Well, you know I am. I've worked with you this way before, haven't I? Have I ever given you a bump pitch? No.
7: Good night, Lieutenant. Good night, Richard. You have any ideas of slipping me a double cross, Rogie? Forget it. I've got a cell waiting for you, and I'm not above framing you. Remember that. (laughs) knew Urban, wasn't kidding.
3: And I had an impulse to call him back and tell him about the murder I had put away for him in that motel. But I thought better of it. As the door closed behind Urban, I heard another door open behind me.
6: Hello, Mr. Rogue.
3: Muriel. Why, honey, this is... Put up lit- your
6: hands. Huh? I'm going to get that map if I have to kill you. <laughs>
3: involved in an affair concerning $25,000 in buried
0: treasure. There's a girl in the affair named Muriel Scott, and right this minute, the lovely
3: Muriel is an uninvited guest in Rogue's apartment, where she's holding Rogue at the end of a forty-five automatic. I love girls, especially girls with Muriel's gifts. She had the kind of a figure that you'd like to add to your income tax, and a little baby face that maybe want to hold her on my lap and tell her a story. But that gun changed everything. It ruined the intimate, romantic atmosphere that I would have preferred.
6: Take your revolver out of the holster and drop it. Come on, I know how to use this gun.
3: Okay, okay.
6: Now back away from it.
3: You know, uh, I have a strange feeling that you've lived through this before.
6: I have. Keep backing. Okay. Mm. Now what? Sit down.
3: Thanks. How'd you get in here?
6: Through the window, the one in the fire escape. <coughs> Now, what time is the first mail delivery at your office in the morning?
3: Oh, it's about 9.30.
6: I heard you tell Shep that the map would be there in that mail.
3: I'm expecting it.
6: Good. I'll get it then. What did you do with Shep?
3: He's okay. Is he in jail? No, he isn't. I want my hands on that dough before I yell for the cops.
6: Uh Uh-huh. I want my hands on that dough, too, and I'm going to get them there.
3: Are you, uh, comfortable?
6: Yeah. Don't worry about me.
3: Look, baby, I, I want some coffee. How about you?
6: Just stay where you are.
3: Oh, but look, beautiful. It's only 11.30. It's ten hours before the mail arrives.
6: I can stay awake ten hours at $2,500 an hour. Easy. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's too bad you're so hard to get along with. a oh, very beautiful dame. You know it? Yeah, I know it. Just keep your seat, Mr. Rogue.
3: I don't know whether you're going to like coffee the way I make it or not, Muriel. It'll be all right. Are you sure you don't want me to hold the gun while you make
6: the coffee? Go ahead, make the coffee and stop talking. Uh,
3: Okay, okay, beautiful. Yeah, but you'd better better listen to my proposition. Ah, We could do a lot together with 25 grand. Ever been to Rio? More toast? Thanks, Reggie.
6: You know, you make pretty good coffee.
3: And you make pretty good toast, Angel. Lots of butter. And did you know that costs
6: points. We won't need them in Rio, will we?
3: No. <laughs> ah, we're going to make beautiful music together, baby. You know it? How did you ever get mixed up in a deal like this anyway?
6: Oh, he came through Pittsburgh. Hmm.
3: I know the town well.
6: He spent a lot of money on me, and I thought I was living.
3: Ah, you're too nice a girl to go around pointing guns at people. What did you do with that cannon, anyway?
6: I left it on the kitchen table. Oh.
3: You comfortable? Uh-huh.
6: A few more hours, and I can go pick up that money, huh, baby?
3: Yeah. Twenty-five grand.
6: You know something, honey? What? I can just barely remember, Sha.
3: That's nine o'clock, honey. Let's get going, shall we?
6: Uh-huh. We'll just about make it, huh? Yeah. Hmm? Oh, I hope that map's in the morning mail, don't you?
3: Well, it will be. Don't worry. Come on, I'll help you with your coat. Uh-huh. Hey, where not you get it? It's a nice mink.
6: Shep stole it for me. He was a petty larceny guy, wasn't he?
3: Ah, let's not think about him, Angel. Come on. We're on our way to the office in that letter. And Rio? Could be. here now you stay in the car i don't know if there'll be any cops up there or not and if i'm not back in five minutes shove off and i'll meet you in the lobby the hotel bell in an hour oh
6: you're not going to take me to the office with you no then leave me the half of the map you took from ship i want to know you're coming back oh sure sure baby yeah, here you are
3: now are you happy yes
6: i'm happy hurry though will you i'll be back in a
3: minute beautiful if I'm not, remember what I told you to do, huh?
6: I'll be in the lobby of the Bellevue if you aren't back in five minutes, right?
4: And that's the first portion of Rogue's Gallery from October 25, 1945, starring Dick Powell. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. We'll see you in a few. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, let's get back now to Dick Powell in Murder with Muriel on Rogue's Gallery.
3: If that letter was in my office, I had this case whipped like Simon LeGree had Uncle Tom. Then my wishbone was in my throat as I rode up to my office. The elevator had always seemed slow, but this morning it seemed to be going backwards. With just a few more breaks now, I'd be back at home home base like the Third Fleet. I walked into the office, and there sat my shot of Joe Black. I pitched him some fast double talk about ditching him last night, ran through the mail, found the letter from Duke Dickinson with a map. While I was jumping up and down and clapping my hands, I told Blackie what I wanted him to do. And then Muriel and I took off for the treasure hunt with a spade.
6: Are you sure this is the right path?
3: Sure. i got the map right here, haven't I? Look, uh, look up ahead. There's the big rock he's got on. See? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a tree. Look,
6: Rogie. Oh, the gun. Put it back. If you have any plans about taking this money yourself. Oh, will you cut it out? Put that log back. I just want in your you back, to know you, I've now? still got it and I can oh. use it. Oh, but look,
3: baby. Remember me.
6: Oh, I suppose I'm a chump. I'll put the gun away. Just for you. You big, handsome cutthroat.
3: I paced off the location of that hidden treasure, just like it said on the map, feeling a little like Captain John Silver as I did it, and then I exposed my poor aching back to the unaccustomed labor of making a hole in the ground with a spade. I will never be a fan of digging. I like my spades five at a time, preferably running from the ace down to the ten with a lot of dough in the middle of the table instead of in the middle of the pasture. But I dug. Are you,
6: are you sure you're digging in the right place?
3: I'm sure. Decided it in on that tree and that big rock. And if that petty longs crook of a Duke Dickerson thinks this is funny, I'll personally hit... Hey. Huh? Hey, hey. Pay dirt. Hear it?
6: Yes. Hurry, Rogie. Dig it out.
3: Well, do you want this shovel? I'm digging as fast as I can. Uh-huh. There it is. See the top of it?
6: Be there. Be there. 25,000. Well,
3: wow, baby, there it is. 25 grand. You wanna count it?
6: Let me have it, Rogie.
3: Here, baby, you, you take care of it for a while, huh? Put it in your bag and let's get back to town and celebrate, beautiful? Alright. Just hold that
1: clothes. Both of you,
5: hold it. Hey, hey, what is this? Shut up. Give me your bag, lady. Come on, lady, I don't wanna to have to shoot any holes in that pretty dress you're wearing. Come on, give me that
6: bag. No, I won't.
5: <laughs> Next time I slap you with this rod. Now, give me that bag. Get your hands away from that coat, there, Mister. Thanks. Now, oh.
3: March. You look familiar to me, tough stuff. Yeah. Maybe I'd better put you away, huh? Hmm. Duke Dickinson must have sent out a bulletin to all his friends. Shut up. Lay down on your faces, both of you. Now.
5: <laughs> Shut up, lady. I just shot a couple of holes in your tires, that's all. Now, just take it easy and don't move until I'm out of here. Thanks for the
1: dough.
3: Come out of the office, baby. Now, buck up and stop crying.
6: I don't suppose you're going to pay any attention to me now that the money's gone? you probably forget me as soon as you can.
3: Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, hi, Urban.
7: Hello, Rogue.
6: Who's this? A cop. What's he doing here?
7: He's here after you, baby.
6: Oh, oh Richard. He wouldn't turn me into
7: the... Hate to interrupt, but uh, what's the score, Rogue? Uh, this little girl helped to kill Joe Layton. The guy who worked
3: with her is under the bed at cabin number four at the Shady Glade Motel.
6: How could you do this to me? After all the things you said and...
3: and it's... Well, it's... It's uh, not easy. But you see, baby, I don't approve of murder. Especially not in this neighborhood. Gives a block a bad name.
6: Oh, no. No, Richard.
3: Better take her away, Urban, before I take her away from you. She's a beautiful oh, girl, isn't she?
1: Richard. Oh, Richard. Richard. Richard.
3: Well, that's the story. Of course, you recognize my old friend Joe Black as a hold up man. You see, I figured that when Muriel and Shep went on trial, I would have less explaining to do if they thought some stranger had finally come up with the 25 grand. I gave Joe his 500 like I said I would. He beefed a little, but he took it. And then I took the 100 Duke owed me and a thousand for the job that was agreed on and. Then I took the 2500 that Joe Layton was supposed to get and sent it to Muriel's mother. Layton didn't have any use for it in the morgue. And I sent the rest to Duke in Kansas City. Made a nice score altogether, but, oh, I still wake up in the middle of the night when I dream of Rio and Muriel. And that trip we were going to take. The money's spent, but the dreams linger on. They're wonderful. This is Dick Powell again, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you noticed that I didn't get hit on the head in tonight's story. It was nice for a change. I hope you like the yarn. Ray Buffum wrote it, Lee Stevens composed and conducted the music, and Dee produced and directed. I want to remind you to make a date with us the next Thursday night. We're going to get mixed up in a strange affair about a photograph. We call it Photo Finish. Be on hand for the developing, will you. Thanks for listening to Good Night All. Now here's Jim Doyle. Don't forget to tune in again next Thursday, same time, same station, when you'll again hear Dick Powell as Richard Rogue in Rogue's Gallery.
4: And that's Rogue's Gallery from October 25, 1945, with Murder with Muriel, starring Dick Powell, also in the cast peter Leeds. that was sponsored by fit shampoo as they're on mutual hope you enjoyed that all right it's time now for a comedy with abbott and costello we love bud abbott and lou costello of course they're famous for the who's on first routine on this episode their special guest is movie actress merle oberon let's go back now to november 19th 1942 for part one of the abbott and costello show
3: the Abbott and Costello Program, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello.
2: Hey, Abbott! Oh, come on, what's the matter with you, Costello? Hey, Abbott, what? I want to ask you a very personal question. What is it? Do you think I'm fat? Well, I'd say you were on the plump side. Why do you ask? Well, I was over by one of those big hangers. I was standing next to a blimp. All of a sudden, an officer points to me and says, look... They're making them with faces now. Oh, he was just kidding. You know, there's nobody that has a better sense of humor than a flying man. I know that too, Abbott, because I'm a flying man myself. What do you mean? I started flying when I was a six-month-old baby. You flew when you were a baby? Yep. I flew out of my nurse's arms and made a perfect one-point landing. No, <laughs> oh, no. You mean three-point? No, one point. My safety pin was open. <laughs> Costello, I don't believe you've ever been up in the air. Oh, yes, I have. I used to be a hostess. Well, you walked into that one, my friend. (laughs) For your information, plane hostesses are always female. This was a male plane. Uh... (laughs) Tell me, Costello, when was the last time you were up in the plane? Do you want the truth or my version? Oh, no, 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 no. I want the truth. I think we'd get more laughs the other way. No, 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 no. (laughs) Tell the truth. Okay, I'll tell the truth. All right. I took my first plane ride today. Captain Dick Lasseter took me up in a great big plane. Try motor Try what I said, try motor Certainly we tried the motor. <laughs> what do you think we did? Push it? <clears throat> no, nah, Skip. It. I'm not going to get it up all in the air right. and get oh, right. All right, forget about it. Please. Forget about the motor? No, 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 no. The other thing. By the way, what kind of a pilot is he? Was he flying blind? No, <laughs> ah, he was perfectly sober. <laughs> <laughs> what a dope. Of course he was sober. Well, never mind that. You know, Lou... I wonder what these boys down here at Long Beach do when they go on leave. Well, I saw a bunch of the boys down at the beach with their girlfriends. Did they go down there to spoon? Well, they didn't go down there to wash their
1: socks. (laughs) Well, here's
2: Ken Niles. I've been waiting to see you, Ken. I was wondering what your wife thought of the picture we made last week. That's right, Niles. What did she think of my acting? Well, I don't mind telling you that she absolutely raved. She raved, eh? Yeah. They took her away the next morning. (laughs) What's so funny about that? Did you make that up yourself? Yeah, out of my head. You certainly are. Now, <laughs> uh, quit I ar- hate that guy. Well, I, I know you do, but quit arguing, Costello. I, I want to hear more about the picture. Uh, did you read any reviews, Ken?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, sure. The Drugus Weekly gave the picture four aspirins. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: see what happens, don't you? He's got the band framed up. Sandy's got the band framed that wasn't a funny line. No. There was nothing, nothing funny about that, brother. Oh, can you imagine yeah. that? Listen, Ken, I read all the reviews. And even Mrs. Roosevelt mentioned our picture in her column. What did she say? She said, my day was ruined. Right?
1: <laughs>
2: That's the one line I don't know why they got look, it in. Yeah, wait a minute, look. <laughs> Lou, didn't we get any compliments at all? Oh, sure. We got one chair that I remember. Uh, where from? The Bronx. The Bronx? <laughs> you know, in Hitler's face without music. Oh, Yeah. Well, maybe we should give up the idea of producing our own pictures, though. Don't you be silly. No, 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 Perfume no. Pictures Incorporated is here to stay. And I'm ready to start another picture right now. Push the button for my secretary. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey. What's the idea of a horn for a buzzer? She used to be a waitress and a driver. Oh.
1: Hello, <laughs> oh, boss. I'm sorry it was late this morning.
2: Are you doing anything tonight?
1: Why, yes. Uh, no. Not a thing.
2: Then try and get here on time tomorrow morning. <laughs> fine secretary, how did you get a job here?
1: I used to be in pictures. I played in the way of all flesh. What part did you play? One of the meatballs. Everybody gets slashed
2: but me. <laughs> all right. Have patience, have patience. By the way, do I have any appointments today?
1: Uh, yes, sir. At 12 o'clock, you have an appointment with Hetty Lamar. What am I doing after that? Me, he asked.
2: <laughs> Mr. Costello, could I speak to you for a moment? Why, it's Botts for Twink, our sound man. What's on your mind, Bots? Well, I want you to know that I was terribly hurt because I wasn't in your picture last week with Carmen Miranda. After all, if you're looking for new faces, look at me. My face is new, isn't it? Oh, very new. In fact, your whole head has only been slightly used.
1: <laughs>
2: Please give me a chance, Mr. Costello. I really do have a lot of talent. You know, I do most of the voices in all the Leon Schlesinger cartoons for Warner Brothers. You're... Don't tell me. Yeah, for instance, here's a little Porky Pig. This is the way I did Talk when I play it. Porky, dip, porky, dip, that's all. Okay. I'll play Porky for you for a thousand dollars. What are you talking about? Warner Brothers don't pay you that. <clears throat> I know, but pork has gone up. <laughs> What else do you do, Butsford? Oh, did you ever hear Bugs Bunny? I have a carrot here, so I'll give you a little sample. Eh? Uh, what's up,
1: Doc? Now, <laughs> uh,
2: uh, what do you say, chubby? What's cooking, huh? Of course, if you use Bugs Bunny, you'll have to use my wife, Mrs. Bunny. But we can't use two rabbits in our picture. Well, we couldn't separate them. That would be splitting hairs. <laughs>
1: Well, if you can't
2: use the rabbit, maybe I could furnish some of the musical background. I can imitate an electric organ. Listen.
1: clever,
2: ain't he? Do you call it an organ? Now listen, Botsford. I can't use any of that stuff in my picture. Now will you
1: get out of here? Now Now
2: Now look what you did. Now look what you did. Now look what you did. Every time you yell at me yell at yell at me, <laughs> I get the 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 it. Well, when you yell at <laughs> me, he gets that. Why do you yes. yell? How well, did I know that I know that I talk loud, he gets the heat cup. I know that. Oh, I I well, well, don't yell at him. Do All something right. for
1: the
2: Potter. Bots, Bo- Please, Botsford. I said, talk nice to him. I'm talking low and easy. Now take it easy. No more heat cups. That brings him out of it. That brings him out of it. Does it? I didn't know that. All right. Take it easy. How do you feel? Uh, better now. Oh, you do? I feel fine. Oh, my glad of that have it. Now let's get back to this picture. But Mr. Costello, are you sure you can't use the organ? Watchford, how many times do I have to tell
1: you that I don't want it? To... Please, please, not in the I don't know you. what I'm doing. I don't oh, know what
2: I'm the... doing. Uh, now, Costello, we can't hold up production on your new picture any longer. Now we've got to get a leading lady. How about giving that secretary of yours a chance? She has blue eyes. Blonde hair? And a Supreme Court figure. What do you mean, a Supreme Court figure? A Supreme Court figure? Well, uh, what do you... No do appeal. Oh! With... Uh, besides, I phoned Merle O'Bron about playing the leading part. You did? Yes. I picked up the receiver and I said, Merle, darling. Merle, sweetheart. Merle, my love. And then? Then I dialed her number. Merle O'Bron? Merle O'Bron would be in our picture. You know, and I, I sent for a new fashion designer. What is this that just popped in here? What happened? Well, now, wait a minute. I sent for a new uh, fashion designer. I, is that it? Here. Now he's in. Come in. He's in. Good evening, gentlemen. I'm your new fashion designer. Uh, Pierre, U Pierre. To my friends, I'm P.U. You said it, brother. Hey, get a look of that guy's hair. He's a male Veronica Lake. <laughs> Pierre, this is Lou Costello. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Costello? Thank you, sir. Uh, you are just the man I'm looking at. I've not seen you in a long distance.
1: <laughs> get
2: the way his hair hangs over his face. Pardon me, Pierre. Was your mother ever scared by a sheepdog? Oh, come <laughs> on. Leave the man alone. We've got to get him to design Miss O'Brien's clothes. Now, no more remarks about his hair. Looks like a palm tree in a high wind, doesn't it? Well, Mr. Costello, I admit that my hair is a standing joke. Well, it needs a new switch.
1: <laughs> I
2: don't know what's wrong there Keep quiet We must have Miss O'Brien's uh, wardrobe design Before she gets here Pierre Would you mind telling us Some of your ideas on women's clothes Oh, not at all uh, You know, the main thing is color harmony Color harmony? What's mm-hmm. that? Well, it's very simple, Mr. Costello For instance If um, you were carrying a pink bag You would not wear a green dress Would you? Oh, gracious, no I wouldn't dare <laughs> I'd be the laughing stock of my sewing circle. All right, come on. <laughs> what kind of line is that <laughs> to get me? Get <laughs> me. Forget it. Skip those things. Come here, Pierre. Now, uh, with a shortage of materials, how about something plain for Miss O'Brien to wear? Uh, we'll call it a uh, defense dress. How about that? How about making it out of Bob Briar? That isn't defense It ain't exactly an invitation. <laughs> go ahead, Pierre. Suggest a dress for Merle O'Brien. Uh, you know, something that she can wear in our picture. Well, uh, being a brunette, I would suggest that I make Miss Oberon a gown of apple green with a peach skirt, a lemon trimmings, a plum ruffles, an orange belt, and a tangerine scarf. Uh-huh. And a dress that's a fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, that sounds fine. Now, what about Merle's hat? Well, the hat should be uh, very simple but very smart. Uh, do you think the boys in camp here would like Miss Oberon in a hat that has... Three roses and a ribbon on the side? No, they'd rather have four roses with a chaser on the side. (laughs) Now, get out of here and I'll design the clothes myself. Oh, Costello, you can't design clothes. Is that so? I just invented a lady's leg paint that takes the place of stockings. It even covers the knees. It disguises the knees? You said it. You can hardly recognize the old joints. (laughs) Well, we let Merle Oberon design her own clothes for the picture. What do you say? Yes, and I'm just the girl who can do it. Now, listen, kid, you keep out of this. Look who it is. It's Merle
1: O'Bron. Merle,
2: I'm overjoyed. I'm
1: overcome. Uh, I'm
2: overwhelmed. Uh, I'm over here. (laughs) Merle, I've always been in love with you. You're so beautiful. Can I give you a kiss?
7: Well, all right, but just one.
1: <laughs> Lou, where did he learn to kiss like that?
2: I used to be a bugler and a Boy Scout. <laughs> now, look, if you folks don't mind, we'll go over the script of the picture that you are going to play tonight. It's a story of the knights of old. Merle, you play a beautiful princess. And you wear a hoop skirt. A hoop skirt? Yeah, a hoop skirt. That's a parachute with legs. Costello <laughs> plays the part of a knight. He's in love with you. I thought nights were tall. Well, kid, on account of daylight saving time, the nights are getting shorter. Oh. <laughs> As the first scene opens, Merle, you're in the palace, need the arrival of your lover. You are playing the organ. Organ? Like this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Foster, didn't I
1: tell you that you couldn't be in this picture? Don't <laughs> so do that Oh, I shot it
2: again. I oh, shot it again. Got it again. I'm I'm it all. Well, don't don't shout at him. Oh, I'm sorry. You got it. I'm sorry.
5: I'm sorry, no, I'm, sorry.
2: All right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm talking nice, house. easy. Relax. Take nice it easy. All right, Botsford. Shut out to me. I'm talking nice. How easy can I talk? I'm okay. I'm sorry, Botsford. I'm okay now, Mr. Costello. Oh, I'm glad you are. Now, keep out of the picture. <laughs> you did it again, <laughs> again. Yeah, I did it again. Don't yell. Sorry, me, Post, please. 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 I'm sorry, Would Please, Botsford, I'm sorry. Will you please it. put a gag in his mouth? Put a gag in his mouth. Yes. If I had a gag, I'd tell it myself. <laughs> Come on, let's get back to this story. Costello, as a knight, your costume is a suit of armor. That's right, Lou. You wear an iron coat, an iron vest, and iron trousers. In fact, you wear a whole iron suit. Where do I get press? At Lockheed?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now your suit may become rusty, so you better keep yourself well oiled.
2: I'd have to be oiled to make love to you in an iron suit. (laughs) Merle, you walk out on the balcony. Yes, and I sneak right up to it. How do you get across the moat? I caught the guard with his bridges down.
1: (laughs) Then we have the big
2: scene where Costello serenades you with a song of love. And, Lou, I will drop a flower on you. In a mad moment of love?
1: No, in a pot.
2: (laughs) Now, Merle, you signal that the coast is clear. And, Costello, you climb the balcony. You reach Merle's side. You're panting from the long climb in that suit of armor. Yes, that's it. <laughs> you gaze into her eyes. Remember, this is your big chance. Never mind, no more pants. No more pants. Never hey, mind that. There's emotion in your voice. As you stand there in your iron suit, what do you say to her? Hey, kid, have you got a can opener? <laughs>
4: And that's the first portion of the Abbott and Costello show from November 19th, 1942, starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with their special guest, Merle Oberon. It's heard on NBC. Mel Blank in the cast, along with Hans Conried and Connie Haynes. A good show, originally sponsored by Camel Cigarettes, but we have removed all of the Camel Cigarette commercials. All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood
3: 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
4: Next time, we'll tune into the conclusion of Abbott and Costello. Then we'll rock it into the future with Dimension X. Make sure you're with us. We'll see you next time.